This psalm is a song of praise and comfort for one who is trying to sense and to trust God's presence, personally in meeting the unpredictability of life. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou discernest my thoughts from afar. Thou searchest out my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou dost beset me behind and before, and layest thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm grateful to be with you this morning. Glad to be preaching with you because you are the ones who will receive what the word has to say. And so let us begin in prayer. O Holy One, you have called us by name. We are yours. Help us listen to the word that you have for each of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Chris has been offering week by week these last few, this in this last month, principles of and practices of how it is that we're able to to make it through these days which are so complicated and days in which we don't know what's happening next and days which there seems to be a moving target all the time. And today I want to add another set of practices that may, may help us to make it through the unknown times ahead of us. But this time I'm planting our instruction in, the, in a gospel story a gospel story in Luke 13, chapter, verse 10 to 17. Listen for the word of God for you. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days to be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, 
Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, shouldn't she be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are three players in this drama, the keepers of a religious system rigid in rules and protocols, and there is a person in pain who cannot help herself, and there is the welcoming Holy One, Jesus. The woman catches our attention first. She is bent over with a spirit that has crippled her for nearly two decades. And we can only speculate as to what contemporary medical or psychological diagnosis would show about her today. But as she enters in this story, I'm reminded of the individuals in my life and experience who carry wounds, diseases, habits that keep parts of them keep parts of us bent over. I recognize some of them in myself. And the origin and sources of the pain are numerous. Abuse, dysfunction, trauma, neglect, disaster, discrimination, imprinting from culture or family or neighborhood. There is a recent, a recent lively study going on in the educational community called Trauma Studies. Dr. Serene Jones, who is the president of Union Seminary in New York, in her book Trauma and Grace, describes some of the realities that we now know about those who are deeply hurt or wounded. And she identifies those traumas, each one as interfering with a person's ability to know things, to remember things, to act on things, or to love another person. It's not that being bent over, as it were, the person won't stand up straight. They are helpless to do anything on their own behalf. And here in our story, Jesus demonstrates a way to reach out and await at the same time to keep our own souls alive. To reach out to the person suddenly bereft of a loved one. To reach out to someone who suffers from PTSD. To reach out to those survivors of great injustices, or maybe less obviously, the one who has learned from an early age that she is not wanted or he is not capable, to those who are abused, if not with hands and weapons, with cutting words and icy silence. Some are those who trusted a community of faith to be a safe haven 
only to encounter danger and, discern and disillusionment. But Jesus sets the example to see them as a worthy creation made in the image of God and beloved by God. We don't know who this nameless woman is and what bent her over or how she appeared to Jesus in this place, but he saw her. Did she come to the synagogue for teaching? If so, she would have been separated from the entitled learners, the male of status, because she was a woman. And if she came to the women's section, there were plenty who were willing to give her wide berth because of her bentness, however it made itself known. It was a common opinion in the culture of that time that anybody who had an illness or an irregularity or special needs was thought that was thought to be a sign of God's disfavor, a reason to keep away from the connection with her. But Jesus noticed her and called her over to him. I read a very compelling story in the paper last Sunday. Russ Ellis, who's 85 years old, retired architecture professor and former vice chancellor at Cal Berkeley, has launched a new career as a recording artist at age 85. The thing that prompted him on this new career was that one day in his home, the woman who always came to clean his home came with another person whom he had not met, a new helper. Russ didn't ask her name, but after a long time, he reflected on that and it rattled him that he had neglected to ask her name. And he said to himself, Russell Ellis, your father's mother was born into slavery. You have, no, you have the right to invisibilize no one. To invisibilize no one. So he learned her name. It is Eliza. And promised to write her a song and sing it the next time she came. And he did. And thus was launched his recording career. Seeing a person is what God does. It's what each one of us longs for. Our psalm today, reading today, oh God, you have seen me and known me. You know everything about me. And Jesus, in tune with the one he calls Abba, noticed the woman and he gave her a name. He calls her a daughter of Abraham. A sign and a signal to the community that she belonged. She indeed did belong here. She was a person of value. Names are so important. Pastors such as myself cringe when we forget or mispronounce a name, as I have done. Names tell us who a person is and where we are. A daughter of Abraham. She belongs, one commentary says, in the specific trajectory of the story of God. And so do those that we meet. 
the person on our walks, the service people whom we encounter, the voice on the other side of the frustrating tech help call, the person who worships with us as we all alone, almost invisible, whose name we do not know. But this woman is seen and named. God knows us by name, and God's love is enacted when we name somebody with full dignity. But Jesus goes a step farther. He touches her lays his hands on her as he prays God and set her free. Now, touching a woman in a sacramental way as a blessing, giving her the legitimacy of belonging, crossing taboos rigidly held, he set her free. Now, touching is a touchy subject right now. How do we touch one another through masks and sanitizers and social distancing. Maybe we can expand what Jesus did if we think of this touching as being like a blessing. Someone, I have been blessed by so many. Someone remembering me with a card or a call or a gift. I'm blessed when I am aware that someone is praying for me when someone contributes to a just cause in my name. I'm blessed when someone shares something that is very important to them with me, the way that Dr. Jim Louie did last in our faith conversations, where he gave us his insights out of his studies and impressions from artists from all time and around the world, and what that informed him about our aging process. It touched me. And it blessed me. See, name, and touch. It leads to freedom for us, for those we love, for those we don't know, for God's glory. Now, this spiritual practice of reaching out to one another, there can be resistance. It's risky business sometimes. We've seen it all too graphically in the assault on our pastor, Mark, in a few weeks ago. Reaching out is not always welcome or wanted. Or in some cases, we reach out and the, the recipient wants more from us than we can offer, than we have to give. And our blessing can feel like we offered it in vain. Several times during Jesus' ministry of naming and touching someone, he was rejected because what he had to offer didn't meet someone's expectations. So it is a risk. But the risk for Jesus came for another quarter. We come to the third player in this drama. The religious establishment, the leaders of the synagogue. My friend, the songwriter, Ken Miedema, put it in a song this way. He said about the leaders of the synagogue, they were bent out of shape because she stood up straight. <laughs> Frequently, the leaders of the synagogue are portrayed as killjoys by the gospel writers. But in fairness, they had an institution to run. They had authority to maintain. They were doing things decently and in order. I wonder if they were Presbyterian. They had standards to uphold. 
They had purity to ensure. And they called Jesus on his act of compassionate freedom by holding him to the bylaws of Sabbath keeping. And it is this point of critical confrontation that Jesus teaches us what is important. The wholeness of a suffering person is what is most important to God, more important than the bylaws. Risking reaching out with recognition and care is the way we do God's work in the world. I'm noticing that this week, the news is not getting any better. It is a critical time for each of us in these frustrating and frightening times to do all we can to center and ground ourselves in the love and hope of God in Christ to help get us through to breathing and lifting up our hands and sacred reading and prayer. But much of that is done privately and alone. But we're also brought to life when we reach out beyond ourselves to honor another in Jesus' name. Yes, there are huge, big issues surrounding us, big ideas, big structures, big strategies to try to move the world toward God's wholeness and healing and justice. There's terrorism, there's racism, there's environmental fragility, oppression, natural disasters. But while we are struggling with that, Day by day, we are called to embody and to share the peace and Christ with everyone that we meet, bringing hope and peace to them and to ourselves. At the turn of the last century in Kobe, Japan, Toyohiko Kagawa emerged from an unbelievably painful beginning to become a Presbyterian evangelist and peacemaker. During the, the Second World War, he, he was in Japan and he protested Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor and he went to prison for that. After that, he came to the United States and worked tirelessly for peacemaking in the world. And his story is an amazing litany of one whose entire person who is a living sacrifice on behalf of great issues and small. One of the prayers that he has left behind captures what I believe Jesus models for us to the spiritual practice of reaching out in this turbulent times. Kagawa prays, may every word that I speak to everyone that I meet be filled with tenderness. May every word that I speak to everyone that I meet be filled with tenderness. We will sing in a moment in our final hymn, Let My Actions, Lord, Express What My Tongue and Lips Can Profess. To see one another with attentiveness to give another a name of respect and belonging, to bless another with tenderness. These practices keep our souls alive and bring glory to God. 
Amen. Let us pray. Tender one, holy one, all-seeing one, help us to do and to be what you've called us to do and be. In Jesus' name, amen.